Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Hans Kohlberg, who is Aviva's dad, a serial entrepreneur, and an author. Hans, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Timothy? Thanks for uh, inviting me to your show. Of course. No, thanks for coming on, and I'm doing well. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the stuff that you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, so I'd really love to start that by saying I, I am Aviva's dad. I'm a very proud father, um, father of four. Um, and, you know, we'll get to that in a second, but I'll um, kind of introduce my background. I, I have been a serial entrepreneur, as you said, um, really started in the world of, um, of investing and, and uh, in finance, um, really created a couple different businesses. All right. Yeah. So I, I am a Viva's dad. Uh, I am a very proud father of four. Um, that is my first and foremost job, uh, most important job. Um, I will talk about that hopefully much more later in the podcast. But in terms of background, uh, my background has been in finance and technology. Um, started in the tra- traditional world of financing, of, of, of investing, um, but really started a couple different uh, startups, um, you know, smaller companies that are were using more of a big data uh, machine learning, AI type of approach to solve um, challenges within the world of investing. Um, you know, I had a bit of success there, uh, sold a couple different companies, um, and then really have, have moved towards uh, focusing on, on problems that really matter um, and really trying to make a difference within the world. Um, started a nonprofit called Open Dreams, uh, which is basically a college access organization helping high achieving low-income scholars not only gain uh, acceptance into universities, but more importantly, gain scholarships and, um, and really you know, change their lives through that and, and hopefully the lives of their community, um, their family, their friends at large. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my background and that, that is a nonprofit um, and, and that's something that I'm actually most proud about. Um, I have segued into the world of authorship, um, which I think we'll talk about later in, in the show, but um, that's a little about me and my background. Awesome. Awesome. Now let's jump right into you being Aviva's dad. Tell us about that story. Sure. Um, well, I first became a, a dad about five years ago. Uh, my first child is actually little Han. So we call him Hansito. Um, pride and joy. We, we, we you know, loved, I always knew by the time I was eight years old that I wanted to be a father. Um, I always knew that you know, it, it would be my most important job. And I wanted to dedicate a lot of time and attention and be hands-on um, and really leading with love in terms of um, the way that I parent um, and, and have taken a lot of pride in that. Um, not, not only, you know, have sought out different mentors and different, different father figures that um, I thought have done a great job, but also have read books on the subject, have written about the subject as well. Um, but uh, so Hansito is our first, Sophia Lolita is our second, and then our third is, is Aviva Lilia. Um, and Aviva, 
Um, she was born in, in January 5th, January 5th, 2020. Um, fully healthy, full term, um, actually came three days late, but she was just a, a big bundle of joy, had the brightest smile in the world, just um, the type of baby that uh, just made a parent's job really easy. I would say she was by far our easiest baby. Um, she went to sleep kind of at the drop of a hat, um, didn't really have to do too much to, to get her, convince her to go down. Um, ate everything in the world. She had her, her dad's stomach and, uh, <laughs> and also taste buds, I think. So she, she really loved to eat and um, was just really full of life. Um, she just had this, this great smile that, that would, you know, put a, a smile on your face if you came in her presence. But um, she, um, Aviva uh, had her first hospitalization uh, at nine days old. Um, she was having a bit of uh, sleep apnea as well as um, a very low heart rate, uh, about 60 beats a minute and very low body temperature, about 95 and a half degrees. So she had hypothermia, but, you know, she was in our home and it was heated and, and we were just, uh, very perplexed by that. Um, she ended up going to the ER, um, to the NICU actually, and they, uh, performed thousands of different diagnostic tests on her, including, um, uh, including do doing a, um, sp uh, spinal tap. Uh, just looking at all of her, her fluids in her spinal cord. Um, nothing was was really uh, indicating any kind of problem. Uh, she had a full bill of health. Um, you know, she, she actually came, you know, back to her normal vitals within a couple of days. Uh, the doctors kept her there for a, a few more um, days after that and then released her. Um, she experienced no other symptoms, no other problems, no other complications. And then, um, and then it happened again, uh, uh, two, three months later. Um, and so this was, this time we were very shocked about that. Um, very similar presentation, very similar symptoms, um, took her you know, back and very similar outcome as well at, at the hospital. All the doctors were left scratching their heads, um, wondering what, what's going on. Um, we always left the hospital with more questions than answers and, um, there was, you know, more studies, more tests, uh, always being done, you know, on, on a genetic DNA basis, as well as um, just just a variety of, you know, heart monitors, etc. And um, this um, episodic uh, kind of chronic illness kind of happened every couple months. We're not really sure why. It kind of synced along the lines of of growth spurts or, or known growth spurts, but um, we weren't really sure if it was. Um, you know, heart issue or, or, or something subcellular, even, um, the doctors thought it might've been a mitochondrial issue. Um, we sought out mitochondrial specialist and, and nothing, you know, really came of that. Um, you fast forward to when she was 10 months old and, and by that time she had already had five different episodes. Um, she, uh, she had four in Oakland where we were living at that time, Oakland, California. And then we had moved out of the house, we thought it might've been maybe something with the house, uh, environmental factor. Um, and four months passed with nothing. Uh, we moved to San Diego, uh, where we have family. And unfortunately it happened again, um, last November, uh, of 2020. Um, that was her fifth episode. Uh, she recovered, you know, within hours, uh, she just had a very slow heart rate, about 65 beats a minute and, and really came back. And, um, 10 days later, she uh, had a presentation where she was vomiting. Um, 
that was unusual. That was that was something net new. And um, we rushed her uh, to the ER. Um, she was hooked up on all types of monitors, on all types of vitals. And um, they started giving her medication, which was actually um, a departure from what had normally been the case. And um, a few a, a few minutes later, actually after some, one of the medications they, they administered, um, she actually had a multi-organ system failure. Um, everything um, basically collapsed. Her, her heart's collapsed, her, her lungs, uh, her brain function. Um, it, it's, it, it is, it was, and it always will be the most devastating day of my life, time of my life. Um, uh, we spent an agonizing uh, 24 hours there in the hospital uh, with her on life support, um, but they couldn't, uh, couldn't bring her back. They couldn't uh, bring back her, her brain function. And unfortunately, um, she was pronounced dead on November 18th, 2020, uh, which is when I lost my baby girl. Um, you know, we, we held her. We had a couple hours with her at, at the end uh, where we were able to bathe her, change her, um, you know, tell her how much we love her, uh, sing to her. And I told her that, you know, daddy is going to make her proud. Um, I told Aviva that, you know, I'll... I will live my life in honor of, of her um, and I'll do you know, good works in, in her name. Um, and, and I want people you know, uh, to know about her and, and remember her as well. Um, she had so much life to give, so much um, you know, joy to spread to the world. Um, <clears throat> when we were doing her celebration of life, um, you know, the, thing, the thing that really hurt me you know, the most uh, above and beyond you know, losing her was, was really the fact that she won't be able to you know have that impact on other people well she won't be able to you know bring that positive joy that light that life that she she did for us in in the 10 months mostly during covid and, and so we were very hands-on with her um which was which is definitely an upside of covid um you know i there, there wasn't that chance to she's not going to have that chance to meet those kindergartners or you know go to her first dance or, you know, I won't be able to walk her down the aisle, um, you know, things that, that I really envisioned for her um, and, and really get to see her blossom and, and, and see who, who she would become. Um, but since that time, I've, I've really tried to dedicate my life and, and really every day um, to doing something to bring her joy, you know, because, uh, because of her, bring that joy to, to others. And so that's, um, you know, partly why, why I'm here today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, in reading up about you before the podcast, you mentioned the, the world's kind of attitude towards grief. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that, that we've learned, um, that I've learned, uh, throughout this grieving journey, um, you know, you might be able to tell from my background when I do something, I, I kind of go a hundred percent, hundred ten percent all in, and uh, and and grief was something that I never known before. I probably didn't even know how to spell grief. Uh, I was just so far removed from really understanding, um, you know, that process and that journey. And um, you know, grief in and of itself is um, an emotion that we feel um, that is magnified when. Uh, 
when you really love that person, you know, um, we, we really, we, you don't really grieve things that you don't love, um, or people that you don't love, but when, you know, a very close family member, um, passes, that's, um, you know, the hardest and the most tragic form of grief. Um, and, and when it's your own child, um, knowing that I would have gladly switched places with her on that hospital gurney, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's almost as if a part of me has been lost and, and part of me has died. But um, so, you know, I went through all of the, the five stages of grief and they don't happen at any one stage, the, the shock, the anger, the, um, the, the acceptance at, at the very end, uh, bargaining uh, before that, but it goes, it goes back and forth. There's, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that I was ang angry about. Um, there's a lot of things that I was uh, shocked and just really numb, you know, simple things like going to a grocery store. Uh, you, I just couldn't do the first few weeks. Um, but through that, I, I decided to, um, you know, see a therapist for the first time in my life, which I think is, is very, um, was very helpful, very useful for, for about six months there. Um, read a lot of books, have read about 30 books on anything from, from grief to child loss, to the afterlife, um, to everything else. And, um, those have given me a lot of knowledge and insight in, in terms of, you know, what to expect and, and, um, and, and really understand the emotions that I'm going through. Um, there's a very famous one, uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross's five stages of grief, um, that, that's, you know, uh, it's, it's not sequential, but it's, it's certainly, um, you know, very, very relevant and very, very on topic. But, um, when I said, when I told you earlier about, you know, what I learned about society and grief, I've, I've learned that society doesn't necessarily embrace grief. Well, um, what I mean by that is, is that a lot of times when I try to, you know, tell my story, it makes others uncomfortable. Um, also, you know, when, uh, when this happened uh, over a year ago, um, we just actually celebrated the one year, um, anniversary on November 18th. Um, you know, I've still haven't heard back, uh, heard anything from some of my friends, uh, some of my close friends, people that I thought would actually be there. And, and, you know, people who were in my wedding, um, that, uh, I just haven't, haven't heard from people have just kind of been distant, um, well, where others actually have come out of the woodworks and have actually um, been big sources of support. Um, the commonality with those people has tended to be that they understand grief because they've gone through something similar, um, you know, either a sibling or, or a parent, um, sometimes even a child. Um, you know, when, when those people reach out, a lot of times it's because they've understood that that coming out or actually coming, coming, um, reaching out for support and showing up, uh, is actually one of the best things that anyone, uh, anyone can really do, um, to support a friend or a colleague or, or family member that's going through this. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, you know, one of the, one of the things that I really want to do, um, in this, you know, change in my life and in my life priorities is really, give insight um to people about what this journey looks like what the feelings are because there's um thousands of different ways to grief and and there's really no right way everyone does it in their own unique unique way my wife and i have done it 
in, in very different ways, um, but being supportive of each other uh, throughout that journey. Um, but what I have learned is that there is uh, a wrong way to grieve. And, and oftentimes that's, um, that's really uh, when someone just locks it away and someone tries to block it out and avoid it and put it in a box and, and don't even talk about it. Um, uh, a lot of times that comes back actually in, in um, harmful ways or, or, or damaging ways later on in different forms. And so um, that, that was one thing that I was cognizant of that I wanted to be actually, um, you know, talking about it with, not with, with therapists, but also with friends um, along the way. And, and so, um, you know, uh, when we as society, you know, reach out and, and talk to people. And that's, that's kind of my, my one message would be, um, if you do know someone who has been going through grief and, you know, we, we all around the world have been, um, given COVID, um, you know, check in on them, uh, send them a text message, uh, give them a phone call, even if they don't answer, um, you don't realize how, how helpful and how important that is. Um, just to know that that person is not walking, um, you know, through his, his or her grief journey alone. Um, it's, it's really like a, uh, there, there's, there's almost a, a misconception about um, space and distance. Uh, a lot of times we confuse um, giving someone distance as in, you know, don't talk to them and, and kind of avoid them at all costs um, with space, which is actually what we really need is, is actually that space to be able to express our emotions or express our anger or, cry with you or have a hug, um, given that platform, given that, that time and attention to, um, that griever, uh, is, is very important. And so, um, yeah, first of all, Timothy, I'd, I'd like to thank you for, for giving me this space, but, um, some of the, the most helpful conversations I've had were actually zoom calls with friends that they're on the other side of the line, just, um, just listening and, and, and just listen to me either be angry or, or, or sad or, or whatever else it is. And so, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there, but it's, uh, it's, there, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot that we can do as, as a society, but, um, if I, if I could boil it down to one, uh, takeaway is, it's really, you know, just show up. Show up. I love it. Awesome. Well, what, tell us about, um, the books that you're writing and the books that you've written and your vision for those books. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're watching on screen, there is, uh, you can't see it actually, but my background um, is actually Baby Aviva Orangutan Diva. It is an illustration um, from a children's book uh, that I just wrote and, and published in, uh, in October of, of, of uh, this year. I actually started writing this a week after um, <clears throat> Aviva passed. Um, as I said, one of the, the hardest parts was not being able to, um, you know, see her go out into the world and create that positive impact. I think we as parents, um, when we hold our babies for the first time in the hospital, we just want the best future for our child. Um, and, and so, you know, you talk to any parent and, and they, they can talk to you about how their life has changed and how their priorities has cha have changed and values have changed after they hold their baby um, for that first time. Um, in a similar vein, in terms of, you know, a, a transition of priorities, when, uh, when you lose a child, um, 
there's there's a whole different clarity in terms of what's important and and what's you know worthwhile in terms of your time in terms of where you're putting your energy um and for us it's really about we just want our child to be remembered um that's that's really the you know the the sole focus uh, of, of it but for me it's it's really being remembered in a positive way and and enabling her to actually have still have that positive future um by having an impact on others and so you know how do you actually um create that as as a father that, that was something that um i was just jostling within my mind it, it was just you know how how can i actually give aviva the best future um, that she could have and really have her create impact on others and um and that really came out as as a children's book and so i started writing it about this orangutan um because one of our very last adventures was to the san diego zoo and our very last um animal we saw there was the orangutans and um she was infatuated with them she was just really obsessed and she um she was just fawning over them and, and this was two days before she passed actually and and um and and so orangutans are you know this this really gentle soul and obviously uh yeah they're very intelligent um but there's actually not that many books written about um orangutans you see gorillas you see monkeys um orangutans are kind of the overlooked ape um, if you will. And so, um, so, so this book, it actually has a lot of um, positive messages that parents can teach children or parents can talk about with children. Um, it's about a orangutan that perseveres through a lot of adversity, um, goes through uh, a conquest in which she's actually trying to rescue her village by um, uh, getting some food, um, getting, getting bananas in particular from a very dangerous part of this jungle that's she has to cross a river full of crocodiles and face off against this ferocious tiger. Um, but this orangutan is just a baby and doesn't really have any strength or, uh, you know, powers like of, of that sort to defeat this tiger. However, what she does have is a singing ability and a dancing ability. And, and she, she loves to sing and dance. She's this little, uh, diva. And so, so she, um, uh, so she starts singing and dancing and, and lo and behold, this, the tiger starts singing and dance, or dancing as well. And, and then before you know it, they're dancing together. Um, by the end, they become really good friends. Uh, they stop to have a break and she asked, you know, could I actually have some bananas? And he said, sure, all you really had to do was ask. And then she rides home um, on, on the elephant, Sophia Elephant, her friend, um, who helped her accomplish the mission. But she, she goes home to, um, uh, as the heroine, and uh, and saves her her village from hunger. Um, so some of the message messages in the book is really you know about using your own innate talents, whatever gifts you have. Um, you might think that you're this meek and feeble uh, orangutan, but in in fact there are a lot of God given innate gifts that we all possess um, that we can actually conquer. You know some of the the biggest challenges in in our lives. Um, you know, that's, that's a pervasive one. And then, you know, it's being true to yourself. Um, uh, at the very end, it's, it's really about being true to who you are as a person, not trying to be someone else. Don't conform with society, whatever they want you to be. Um, uh, some minor messages as well is, is really, you know, the importance of teamwork, um, the importance of um, asking, asking the question, um, and the importance of uh, not judging the books by its cover, because, um, 
you know, everyone else was scared of this tiger when in fact, he's just this friendly, friendly giant, um, you know, beast. But, uh, but at, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they become great friends. And so the intent of the book is, is really to spread the message uh, throughout, um, you know, throughout the world um, and to really see the impact that Aviva can have on, uh, you know, the four or five, six-year-old readers, as well as their parents uh, that do read it. And, um, and for them to uh, get to know Aviva, but also get to meet her in this unique way um, and also get a, a positive message out of the book um so it's a it's a rhyming book um it's really beautifully illustrated if, if i must say um because uh it wasn't me uh <laughs> it was actually um carl mefford who did a really excellent job and um i'm very appreciative of everything that he's done so um yeah the book is on amazon barnes and noble uh pretty much any uh, outlet that you can think of um, there's an audiobook, ebook, uh, paperback, and as well as hardback. So, um, yeah, I love That's it. it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sharing that, and thanks for writing that because I'm sure it'll impact a lot of kids' lives and spread that joy that I know that you want to spread. Yeah, thank you. Um, you you also mentioned uh, other books, and and yes, so I, so I am I am writing some other um, one other main book. Uh, it's it's really it's right now the working title is. Um, uh, actually, I, let, let me back it up. Um, one of the things that that has frustrated me um, that I've learned about through grief is is some of the things that people actually tell you when when your child passes. Um, you know, one of the things is that um, is a very common phrase. Uh, you know, when you lose your parent, you lose your past. When you lose your spouse, you lose your present. And when you lose your child, you lose your future. Um, now that phrase, I just really did not <laughs> did not sit well with me. Um, I don't know why anyone would, would say that uh, to a bereaved parent, um, but that has sparked a lot of motivation in me to actually create that better future for my, for my daughter, Aviva. Um, another thing someone, uh, a lot of people say is, uh, is I can't even imagine, um, or a lot of times I don't even want to imagine. And uh, it's, you know, if you actually take that apart and actually think about it, you know, of course, most people can't, can't imagine, um, you know, that, um, you know, I, I don't want even my worst enemy to experience, uh, you know, the, the tragedy of losing a child. But, um, when you say it to someone, uh, like myself who, who has lost a child, it's, it's almost as if they don't even want to go, you know, close to me with a 10 foot pole because they don't even want to put my, put themselves in my shoes, even just to imagine. Um, because I think, you know, being able to relate to experience uh, without without having experienced it is really the first step towards empathy, and I think empathy is the first step towards support. Um, and so, we we as a society kind of have to imagine. I, I would say we should imagine um, what it would actually feel like, and that would actually heighten our sense of of empathy overall. Um, and so, um, the other part of it is is when we, you know, when I, when I walk around and go back, went, to, went back to work and I'm walking around, you know, on the sidewalk, it's almost as if, you know, I don't have any gaping wounds or any injury from, you know, from, from something like this, when in fact, you know, Aviva's on my, on my top of my mind 24 seven all the time. Um, it's almost invisible to society. We don't really understand how difficult, um, losing a child actually has on, 
on, on an individual and out of, I'd probably extend that to grief in general, um, losing anyone um, can have, you know, a prolonged effect uh, sitting here a year later, it still has an effect. And so, um, so it's almost as if this is an invisible wound. Um, and so when I think about, you know, what society can actually do um, to really help, it would, it would be imagining this invisible wound um, which is the working title. Um, and, and it kind of will give a glimpse or really an insight on, you know, how, uh, you know, how, what the process looks like or, or what it, what it looks on the inside, um, just from my own perspective, but, but then hopefully also give a perspective on how we can actually best help and support, um, those that are going through grief and, and the intent, the mission for that book is really to, um, help all those, you know, future uh, grievers, especially bereaved parents, um, in their in their grief journey by educating and, and really, um, you know, uh, yeah, giving knowledge to to those that that really want to help, um, but don't really understand how or what they can actually do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that you're writing that book. Um, awesome. Are there any other books you have in the works that you want to chat about? Um, I do have a follow-up children's book. It, it will be more about grief and, and it'll be kind of explain a lot of these concepts, but more in a fun and, and, uh, you know, rhyming fashion as well. Um, there is a book that I, I haven't been writing for, uh, a couple of years now, which is more, uh, along the parenting journey. So it's called dad hacks. And, and I kind of wrote it, I started writing it after my firstborn, but it was, um, now it actually sounds almost naive because there's, there's no, there's no hacks to actually being a really great dad is, is really a misnomer. Um, you know, you really have to kind of lead with love and lead, lead with a lot of patience. If I were to give any advice um, for anyone thinking about being a parent or is a parent, um, patience is the superpower that I would give all the fathers in the world and, and mothers, um, because it is something that, <clears throat> that we don't have, uh, we don't have enough of. Um, whatever, whatever amount of patience we have, we can always, um, you know, use more and, and kids by definition, um, really test our patience at the end of the day. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the perspective that I have now with losing Aviva, um, you know, I think about all of those times where, you know, we're, I'm getting up at in, in the middle of the night at three in the morning or, I'm changing a really dirty diaper that goes through her diaper and gets into her shirt. Um, or, you know, any, any time that my, my children are, you know, throwing a tamper, uh, temper tantrum in public, um, you know, those things are, are the things that we as parents kind of, you know, look at and say, you know, those are the, you know, <laughs> the shits part of, of parenting, um, you know, is, is something that we don't look at as, as saying, as being fond of, right. Um, who, who looks at a kid throwing a temper tantrum saying, oh, well, I'm really enjoying this. But um, the perspective that that losing child does is, is really um, makes me actually more appreciative of those uh, of those times. And, and, you know, I now look at my other kids and, and I say, you know, they might be making my anger rage and I still do get angry. But um, I also kind of take a step back and say, you know, at least I do have this opportunity, um, you know, to deal with you or to, to be with you or to, you know, show you my love or show you how much patience I, I, I have because, um, 
it's something that I really, really uh, wish I could get back, you know, for, for Aviva. Um, and so it gives me this other perspective on, on parenting. So um, I do hope to get that out probably be uh, a little, little bit from now, but that is the other book I'm writing. Awesome. I love it. If there are one or two people that you can meet right now, that would really help you get your books message out there. They could be a specific person or a type of person who would they be and how would they do it? Um, yeah, this, this one actually you might, uh, probably most people haven't even heard of. Um, so I, I told you, I've, I've been reading a lot of different Greek books and there's been a lot of, uh, them that have really spoken to me. Um, there's one called, uh, a man, man's search for meaning is by Viktor Frankl, who is uh, a Holocaust survivor. Um, he's, he's since now departed, but, um, man's search for meaning kind of goes through, um, really this, you know, thing that we call life and, and really trying to see really bad situations and, and shitty, shitty situations, if, if I will, um, you know, the Holocaust being absolutely one of those in, in, you know, the society, the, the history of, of human, um, society, but, um, it's, it's really about having this choice and, and really about, um, looking at being able to have a different perspective on, um, on different situations. And we get to choose how we actually tackle and conquer adversity. And, um, and, and that's, you know, definitely very relevant in, in this, you know, in, in, a, in tragedy. Um, and, and so Victor Frankel is, he, he sounds really, really great. And I would really love to meet him. Can't do that right now, but, um, but there is one other person, uh, Edith Eagers, um, Edith Eagers, uh, is also a fellow Holocaust survivor, uh, survived through Auschwitz. Um, she is still living. Um, she was in Auschwitz in when she was 16 years old. Um, <clears throat> she's since gone on to become a psychologist, but also in the same vein of, of Viktor Frankl kind of talks about her big thing is, is about choice. Um, we as humans have the ability to choose um, how, you know, which path we take, um, you know, every single day we're, we're confronted with decisions, you know, big decisions, small decisions, but um, we get to choose how we actually, um, you know, live our life. Uh, and, and there's no, nobody else uh, to live that life than, than ourselves. And, um, and so she, you know, does that more so in the lens of a lot of these uh, tragic events um, and, and really saying you, we get to actually determine um, what kind of perspective we, or what kind of lens we actually take on a situation. It could be, you know, completely bad, you know, her, her losing her whole, or most of her family during the Holocaust, you know, what does that actually mean um, going forward? Um, and so she's, she's really dedicated her life. She became a psychologist at the age of, I think about 45 or 50. And now she's about 95 years old and actually lives um, close to me in, in La Jolla. So um, I would really love to be able to meet her. And um, yeah, that would be the number one person I would meet. So. I gotcha. What's stopping you from going over there and just knocking on the door? <laughs> I don't have her address, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, no, that, that would be, you know, I, I would really love to talk about, you know, grief with her. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a topic that I didn't, as I said, I didn't really know that much about, but I'm, um, you know, kind of determined to 
I don't know if it's, this is me making a future out of it, but, but really helping those that are um, going through grief. I, I feel an abundant sense of uh, a desire to actually help others. And I think um, out of any feelings, you know, there, there's a lot of different, um, obviously uh, emotions that, that are overwhelmed. But the one thing that has always stuck is I, I really feel like I have to live every single day, you know, uh, knowing that every single day could be my last. And, and that's um, no more relevant, no, no more pertinent uh, than ever than now. But, um, you know, doing that to, to really live my life, to really help others. And, and so um, I'd like to, you know, dedicate that and, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the journey goes. Um, I, I do love talking about it to tell you the truth. And, uh, you know, even conversations like this have been uh, one step that has helped me through my grieving journey. Um, every single uh, child or parent that actually sends a picture um, saying that, you know, their, their, ch their child loves the book or they're getting like a little stuffed orangutan like my, my friend Chris did the other day. Um, it, it's just one little drop in that bucket of, of, of joy that was completely emptied um, after Aviva passed. And so, um, you know, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other and kind of see where it goes. Absolutely. What is the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you spread um, the story that you're trying to spread and the joy and the inspiration that you're trying to spread? Yeah. So when, when I think about this, that, that question, um, you know, the one, there's actually, there's actually two things um, that actually really stand out is, um, is, is, you know, one for all parents uh, that, that might be listening to this. Um, I always thought I would never, you know, experience anything like this. I, I, I feel, you know, completely blessed and fortunate, um, both in personal life as well as business life. Um, there's been, a, and as well as, you know, personal satisfaction through Open Dreams, uh, the nonprofit that, that I helped founded, you know, have, have got to see a lot of, um, you know, positivity in, in my life. That's not to say that I've never felt, um, you know, tragedy, but um, I never thought that something like this could actually befall um, our family. Um, and, and nobody ever does. Nobody ever expects that. Um, no parent has a child expecting them to die. Um, but what I will say is, is that perspective that I've gained um, and that patience that I have with my children um, is something that I do want to pass on to others. I, I want, you know, I want to give that perspective um, to the father walking down the street with a, you know, little baby in, in his arms. And, and I, you know, I want to scream to them like, you know, congratulations and hey, enjoy that moment. Um, you know, get off your phone or, um, you know, stop paying attention to your work call or wh whatever it is, you know, enjoy that moment that you have with your child and, and cherish your, your children. Um, so that, that is my message, number one. And, and I think, you know, by reading a children's book uh, with your child, you're actually, you know, creating that time that you get to spend with them. And I think that's such a, a treasured, um, you know, time of the day. I, I love reading to my kids at nap time and, 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 uh, and, and at bedtime. But um, the second thing that, that I would say is, you know, my, my mission is to really help others that are like me in my shoes. And I know not everybody really is, is as forthright as me or, or, or can, can talk about, um, you know, something very personal. Uh, I know my, my wife can't. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, we should. Um, and, 
and, and I want to, uh, I want to actually uh, give that insight and I want to, um, you know, share kind of my journey and what, what I've been going through so that the friends, the family, the colleagues, um, everybody who's hasn't experienced tragedy, have, doesn't really know about grief, can actually get a little bit of insight, a little bit of understanding, and through that, um, hopefully help their um, their loved one in, in, in a way that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And so if you are listening and, and you do know anyone who's been through uh, a tough time, um, you know, get, send them a text, send them a phone call, um, and, and just reach out in general and just, just show up. Um, I almost, I kind of envision in the future, um, this, a month almost dedicated, just like we have breast cancer awareness month and, and black history month and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of other months. Um, I think there almost should be a month, uh, kind of dedicated towards grief, um, PTSD as well. Um, you know, uh, just, just so that we, as a society can actually understand, you know, what a lot of these people are going through. And so, um, those are the, the two takeaways. And I, I think the final one, if, if you really do get the book, baby Aviva, orangutan diva, um, I really, really would love, uh, you to read it with your child. Um, but also if, if you want to leave a review, um, that is actually the most helpful thing, um, to, to leave a review on Amazon to really get that book out into the world. So thanks. Love it. Love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, my favorite movie of all time is Forrest Gump. Um, Forrest Gump, you know, back in, I think, 1994, I remember sitting in the movie theater at 11 years old and watching for the nearly three hours, right? It's, it's a really long movie. Um, I love historical fiction. Um, and I would say that uh, it's a good way of, of actually introducing a lot of history um, as, as Forrest Gump goes through a lot of, lot of different times throughout history uh, that have really made America uh, overall. But he also goes through a lot of highs and lows in life as well. And um, you know, the, the, when, when he actually loses his, uh, his wife, Jenny, um, <laughs> he goes, <"Yeah>, Jenny, <laughs> um, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Honestly, I mean, that, that actually is, is, you know, something that I've always related to, but it, it, it actually, you know, hits home a lot now. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, it's very poignant. It's, it's funny, it's comical, it's, it's sad, it's romantic. Um, and, it, and it also shows, showcases a good father as well as, as, um, as Forrest tries to be for, for his little Forrest. And so, um, yeah, I, that, that is one classic that I, I could watch again and again. So. Absolutely. I love it. What's one way you like to take care of yourself? Uh, I am a surfer. <laughs> so I, I love surfing. I live in San Diego. Um, uh, it's something that I picked up when I was about 20 years old. Um, I actually moved to Peru, uh, for a year when I was 27 and, uh, you know, learned how to surf, you know, pretty well and, um, was really excited to move to San Diego, not only to be close to family. My sister lives across the street from us. Um, but to be, be in the ocean, be, be in the waves, um, is something that I do early in the mornings, usually around six in the morning before the kids get up, because that's pretty much the only free time I have all day. 
and uh, try to hit the waves. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of one of the things I've been trying to do a lot of is is um, is meditation and, and mindfulness, and and that's really you know being in tune with your thoughts and being in tune with your mo- the moment. Um, talk about cherish the moment. Um, but when you're surfing, you actually have to focus on the moment. You have to, fo- you know, you're kind of out there in the water. Everything's calm. You just you know, get in, get in the sun rays. Uh, vitamin D is is also important. Um, but yeah, but you have to be in the moment. Otherwise, uh, when you get on that wave, you're gonna, you know, <laughs> crash and fall. And so um, it's it's an exhilarating feeling. Um, if you haven't done it, uh, you know, definitely give it a try. And if, if you do do it, you know, keep on keeping on. So yeah, love it. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take to either meet Edith Eagers? Is it Eagers <laughs> or Eggers? Uh, that is a good question. I think it's E-G-E-R-S. Uh, it could be, it could be either Eagers or Eggers. I'm not sure. Sounds good. <laughs> well, to meet Edith or to really continue to get your book's message out there. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I, I certainly want to, you know, keep on this journey. And I, I have been, you know, just trying to, as, as a self-published author, I'm just trying to get the word out about the book in and of itself and, and, and get that um, into as many hands as possible. And for me, it's not, it's not about the sales. It's about, um, it's about the mission of, of letting people, you know, introducing um, the world to my daughter. Um, you know, she only got to meet 10 or, or 15 people total throughout her lifetime um, because of COVID. My, my own brother never got to meet her and, and my children have, are, are very young. Her siblings are, are very young. So my hope is that they'll actually get to, you know, remember her in that way. So um, in that vein, it's, it's really, you know, reaching out to mommy bloggers or teachers or schools or libraries um, or podcasts like yours, um, podcasts where, where you have you know, people who really are trying to change the world. And so um, I want to want to keep doing that. Um, and then in terms of meeting Edith, you know, maybe I'll find her address and, and bike ride over there. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to try to find her contact information because she's definitely been very, uh, very transformational to, um, to my wife's journey as well as mine. And so we've both been writing a lot throughout this. And, and that's one of the things about grief is we want to, one of the ways that we're, we're filled with so many different emotions, right? Um, we just, I, I felt like overwhelmed with a desire to, you know, get this out artistically and, and whether that's with a pen and paper or with illustrations or, or with even song um, have been, you know, have felt, you know, more artistic expression um, through grief. And that's definitely been one of the, one of the ways that, that I've been healing through grief as well. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I have one more question for you, which sure. is kind of unrelated to the rest of the podcast show topics, but I think it's really in line with your desire to bring joy, joy to people's lives and help them out. You know how there are people in life where they'll be stuck in like a fixed mindset, not accepting help, not willing to change type of mentality. And sometimes they'll die there. And sometimes they change. And when they change, they change to that growth mindset, willing to accept change, willing to accept help. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that makes somebody change from that first area of life, fixed mindset, not accepting help, to the second area, growth mindset, accepting help, accepting change? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a very important point. And so so thanks for bringing that up, Timothy. I think um, 
one of the life philosophies that I live by is try everything once, um, whether that's a new adventure, a new experience, a new book, a new food that you might not taste. Um, you really don't know if something's going to help or hurt, or you're going to like something or not, um, unless you actually even try it. Um, I should practice this with my kids because they don't try any of the food um, that we give them. But, um, but I think that is the very first uh, thing, kind of mental shift that you actually have to ha have in your mind. It's, it's almost a mindset of saying, I'm not going to be closed-minded. Um, it, it, but it's, you have to actually recognize you know, what you're doing if that's helping you or hurting you. Um, I think that self-awareness actually has to um, come first, even before, um, even before saying, you know, I'm going to try something. So for me, um, I had always been skeptical of, of therapists in terms of how, you know, what they would do or, or, or if they would actually be helpful. And even, you know, a, a few sessions in, I, I was kind of telling myself, man, I'm, I'm actually doing 95% of the talking here. Like, I don't know why I'm paying hundreds of dollars for the therapist. But um, what I realized is that you have to actually um, with therapy, it's, it, you're actually talking through a lot of a lot of the problems, a lot of the uh, feelings that you have, um, or even going to a grief group. Um, there's a grief group called Compassionate Friends, um, big circle, lot, lots of bereaved parents, um, and it's really hard to actually get the courage to go go there when everyone's in a very personal um, state of mind in terms of raw emotions. Um, but for me, it was it was always about you know let's let's give it a try. Um, you know why why not? And, and the downside, if you think about it, a lot of times the downside is very de minimis, it's, it's very minimal. Um, whereas the upside, you know, what can you actually do by, you know, taking that first step? Um, for me, I never uh, created a children's book and I was like, well, I'm just going to do it um, and, and I'm going to try it. So let's, let's try this once and, and let's see where it goes. And so, um, so self-awareness and, and, you know, live by the motto, try everything once, um, that, that will give you that growth mindset, whether it's a course that you're trying to study or someplace you want to go or a person you want to reach out to or a book you want to read. Um, just, uh, just try it once and see, see what happens. Love it. There we go. Well, Hans, thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? You know, Tim, I, I just want to say, you know, thank you for uh, giving us this platform. I think, you know, what you're doing is is really excellent. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot of positivity coming out of your podcast. And so um, if there's anything I, I can actually just leave the listeners on, um, show up for anyone that's in grief and for all the parents, uh, cherish all your children and, and lead with love. A lot of patience to you. That's it. Thanks. There we go. Awesome. Well, you guys heard it here first. Make sure to Go out, reach out to the people that are close to you that you know may be grieving, but also buy his book and read Hans's book and make sure to share it with your friends and family. Leave a review on Amazon to share the joy of Aviva's life. And Hans, thank you for coming on the show. You guys, thank you for watching. As we always ask in this episode to one to two people you know need to hear this message, shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. All right. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.